live from the Lee Company Studios, and we are actually in the Lee Company Studios here in Columbia. It's Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. I'm Maurice Patton. That's Wade Neely. Welcome in for our Wednesday edition. Hump day. We made it. Mike, 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 Mike. We're on the... We're on the downslide of the weekend. Well, actually, uh, uh, we're not on. We're not on the downslide here for about an hour yeah. or so. Good, good point. Officially, but you know what? But we can see it. We can see it, and it's Super Bowl weekend. So that's kind of what's been getting me through the week. I don't know about you, but uh, the biggest game of the year is uh, just a couple of days away. But yeah, you're right. We're smack dab in the middle of it. We so. are right in the middle of it. Um, Super Bowl is getting me through the week, and. I've got an assignment to get over to Murfreesboro and pick up some smoked wings from a certain establishment. Come on. That since they're not advertising with us, we're not going to mention them, but you know, we'll work on that. But yeah, um, big show today. Um, we have, as we typically do on Wednesday, Joe Sullivan with NashvilleHoops.blog. Going to talk a little local hoops, and we're going to kind of double up on local hoops because in our next, next segment, we're going to visit with... Joe Rexroad of The Athletic, who was on hand at Memorial Gym mm -hmm. last night and kind of get his thoughts on what he saw and what he sees. No, ma no Memorial magic was to be had. Uh, oh, no, not, no. There was a, a glimmer. It seemed kind of like the UT game in a little bit of sense. The first half kind of goes okay for Vanderbilt or uh, things are maybe going okay and then Slides right off. Yeah, um, you know, I think that would have been a tough task under normal circumstances, particularly with Kentucky coming off back-to-back -back losses at home. But with Vanderbilt being where they are right yeah. now, yeah. So, but we're going to talk a little bit more with Joe about that. We're also going to take a look at the um, AP Top 25s, both men's and women's, that you know came out earlier this week that we've not had a chance to get to just yet, but. Um, Kind of want to dive into those a little bit and later in the show we're going to kind of make the rounds on a, a few things nothing that nothing that would necessarily comprise an entire segment but mm -hmm. stuff that needs talking about just business that needs to be taken care of yes yes like. oh business yeah as yeah. it were yeah yeah, 100%. yeah. um and of course it's wild and wacky wednesday and we're going to try to pull that off without yow the wildest and wackiest news from across the world and from probably close to home as well. Now, without him, do we miss more of the wild or do we miss more of the wacky? I'm, I'm we curious. probably miss more of the wacky. Yeah, yeah, okay. Chris. Yeah, so, so yeah, we'll, we'll see how this goes and go from there. But yeah, um, again, big show. Lots to talk about. Before we talk about any of it, let's give our listeners slash followers slash viewers yesterday's results and today's schedule on The Rundown. This is The Rundown. High school girls basketball action from Tuesday night. Blackman defeated Rockville 49-38. Page down Brentwood 46-36. Nolansville with a 49-25 win over Centennial. Clarksville defeated Clarksville Northeast 79-20. It was Henry County 50, Clarksville Northwest 46. Columbia Central with a 57-35 win over Hickman County. Christ Presbyterian 54, Ensworth 48. 
Creekwood doubled up Stewart County, 54-27. Donaldson Christian with a 46-31 win over Clarksville Academy. Zion Christian defeated Franklin Classical, 32-22. Franklin Road Academy with a 66-11 win over University School of Nashville. Green Hill defeated Gallatin, 55-47. In overtime, it was Grace Christian of Franklin, 57. Columbia Academy, 53. Greenbrier with a 49-38 win over Station Camp. Harpeth defeated Fairview, 62-35. Beach, 38. Hendersonville, 30. Hillsborough with a 71-27 win over Antioch. Houston County, 44, Holler Rock, Brewston, 27, and I'm glad Brewston and Houston weren't so close together <laughs> yeah. in that one. Dixon County with a 49-38 win over Kenwood. It was Lawrence County, 56, Marshall County, 51. Summertown with an 87-19 win over Lewis County, and Lipscomb Academy defeated Pope Prep, 40-36. Other women's basketball scores last night. Hume Fogg defeats Maplewood by the count of 47-37. Middle Tennessee Christian takes care of BGA. That final was 58-49. Loretto all over Mount Pleasant in a game that Mo was at last night. 72-26 your score there. In a game that I was at last night, Murfreesboro Central Magnet, Giles County 19. Yeah, it was Nashville Christian 67, Friendship Christian 53, Portland takes care of White House 46 to 32, Ravenwood falls to Independence 63 to 51, Richland takes care of Business versus Cullioka last night 55 to 20, Oakland all over Riverdale 67 31 your final there. It was Santa Fe 66, Hampshire 24, Shelbyville 46, Spring Hill 30, Mount Juliet 50, Siegel 32. It was a lopsided win for Cookville over Smyrna, 71 to 30 is your score there. Rossview takes care of Springfield, 59 to 48. Lebanon 63, Stewart's Creek uh, 32. Summit knocks off Franklin in a close game, 57 to 51. It was Sycamore 44, Liberty Creek 35. Fowler Collegiate takes care of Glencliff, 64 to 18 is your final there. Smith County defeats Watertown in a reasonably close contest, 50 to 42. It was Westmoreland in a low scoring affair, 37, Macon County 24. And in our final women's basketball showdown of the night, Wilson Central 57, Laverne 23. On the boys' side on Tuesday night, Rockvale defeated Blackman 44-39. Brentwood with a 46-33 win over Page. Brentwood Academy defeated Montgomery Bell Academy 53-33. It was Centennial 49, Nolansville 46. Clarksville with a 62-24 win over Clarksville Northeast. Henry County defeated Clarksville Northwest 60-57. Columbia Central 53, Hickman County 45. Ensworth with a 74-67 win over Christ Presbyterian. Creekwood defeated Stewart County 62-38. It was East Nashville 65, Kip of Nashville 46, Gallatin 55, Green Hill 46, Station Camp with a 67-47 win over Greenbrier. Fairview defeated Harpeth 53-46, Hendersonville 53, Beach 41, Hillsboro with a 66-32 win over Antioch. Houston County defeats Holler Rock Brewston 85-29, Overton 80. Hunters Lane 74, it was Dixon County 54, Kenwood 41, Kirkwood 51, West Creek 40, Lawrence County downs Marshall County 60 to 45, Summertown behind 48 points from Grayson Burleson. That's Vanderbilt baseball signing. <laughs> um, I'm sorry, commit. Yes, 48. Mercy. 48, six threes. Summertown 92, Lewis County 69 over in Hohenwald. Pope Prep 63, Lipscomb Academy 51, Hume Fogg down Maplewood 67-33, Martin Luther King 64, Lawson 46, 
Waverly with a 44-40 win over Montgomery Central. And again, on MainStreetMurray.com, Mount Pleasant with their sixth straight win, defeating Loretto, 10th ranked Loretto, 56-52. Close game there. Close game in Murfreesboro last night. Murfreesboro Magnet, Central Magnet, knocking off Giles County, 73-69. White House dispatches Portland, 71-62. Independence a winner over Ravenwood, 56-44, your final there. Richland, 69. Kalioka, 54. Oakland wins a close one versus Riverdale, 67-62 is the final last night. 59 points for Santa Fe and a win. 59 to 28 over Hampshire, that is. Siegel 52, Mount Juliet 42. Cookville knocks off Smyrna in a close game. 59-57 is the final. It was Rossview 75, Springfield 49. Lebanon in another squeaker gets by Stewart's Creek. 72 to 70 is the count there. 68 to 66. A lot of close games last night. Franklin a winner over Summit. It was Liberty Creek 51, Sycamore 45. Glencliff put up 70 points in a 70-46 win over Valor Collegiate. Smith County takes care of Watertown 40-33. It was Westmoreland defeating Macon County 41-38. Laverne wins by three over Wilson Central 51-48 is your final. And then final score in boys basketball last night. Zion Christian 93, Riverside Christian 45. A couple of bonus scores in men's college basketball. As Mo and I touched on earlier, Kentucky put up 109 points. Uh, to just 77 for Vanderbilt in the game played in Nashville. And then Trebekah turned back Thomas Moore last night with an 84-70 to 70 win. And in the association, it was the Knicks taking care of the Grizzlies, 123-113, to 113, your final score there. Tonight's high school basketball action. These are doubleheaders. Six o'clock starts with the girls. Boys to follow. Franklin is at Centennial in the Battle of Maccatcher Bypass. Davidson Academy goes to Ezel Harding. Page is at Nolansville. Battle of the Woods, Brent at Raven. And Independence goes to Summit. Again, those are all six o'clock doubleheaders with the ladies first. Six o'clock girls only game. Webb School is at St. Cecilia. Boys only matchups here. Six o'clock starts. I believe these are all postseason games, actually. Grace Christian of Franklin is at Battleground Academy. Nashville Christians at Clarksville Academy. Franklin Road Academy will be at Columbia Academy. Donaldson Christian is at Friendship Christian. Mount Juliet Christian goes to Good Pasture. Providence Christian hosts Middle Tennessee Christian. And University School of Nashville makes the long trek to Bell Buckle, taking on the feet of Webb. Um, men's basketball action tonight at 6 o'clock on the SEC Network. Tennessee plays in its on-campus facility against Louisiana State. And at 7 o'clock, Murray State is at Belmont. Women's basketball, 5.30, Lipscomb's at Jacksonville. At 6 o'clock, Austin P is at North Florida. And that is your rundown. Top story brought to you as always by Piggly Wiggly over at Neely's Mill here in Columbia. Be sure and check them out for their delicious deli lunch meat and three spreads as well as hand cut meats. And everything is cost plus 10% at the register at Piggly Wiggly here in Neely's Mill in Columbia. We had gotten word, I guess back in December that the National Football League was going to schedule a regular season game 
in Brazil, um, first time ever, we now know who one of the participants will be. Hmm. The Philadelphia Eagles will play in Corinthians Arena in Sao, Sao Paulo, is mm-hmm. that how you pronounce it? On September 6th, 2024, that will be the opening week of the season and it will be Friday night. Friday? Friday night. Wow. Friday night I crashed your party. Um, yeah, the Eagles will be the home team. The away team has not yet been announced apparently, so I'm sure that a number of folks will be, pick me, pick me, right? I mean, it's Brazil. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm not in the business of turning down trips to Brazil. Uh, so if I'm one of those other teams in the league, I'm sitting there saying, yeah, I wouldn't mind uh, playing them. And I, um, that would be interesting. You know, we've seen, obviously, the expansion, uh, the games over in uh, London and now Europe. Obviously, they've had a couple even in Germany this year. Mm-hmm. But uh, this will be an interesting one uh, because the narrative kind of all along that you would assumed or that I think that a lot of folks had assumed was – Let's grow the game over in Europe. Obviously, had that, that old footprint with NFL Europe. Maybe potentially explore expansion there one day. Really hadn't been much discussion, at least uh, that I've been aware of, to South America. But now all of a sudden, boom. Not only uh, are you having a game in Sao Paulo, but you're having a pretty good squad coming in. you got the Eagles two years removed from a Super Bowl. Appearance. Right. And, and I think um, this will put the NFL – on five of the seven continents. Wow. So that is interesting. Um, and kind of given perhaps the pros in our situation, you know, this also opens that old can of worms playing the game on a Friday night. Yeah. Uh, that, if for whatever reason, we've seen colleges shift more and more to Fridays over the last couple of years, but it seemed like. The NFL, uh, first game since 1970 that they're going to play on a Friday. Uh, the CBS report coming out says, just seemed like Friday was kind of sanctified for the NFL, off limits in a sense. And I know it's kind of an unusual circumstance, but it just it does seem a bit odd that it will be played on a Friday. It does seem a bit odd, but Sao Paulo Mayor Ricardo Nunes, Nunez, I bet, N-U-N-E-Z, I'm not, I'm N-U-N-E-S, sorry. Um, Having this historic spectacle on the eve of Independence Day and driving a great economic impact and job creation for Sao Paulo will spotlight our city as a globally relevant destination for the world's most exciting sport and event and entertainment events. Most exciting sport and entertainment events. There we go. Um, I don't know when Brazil's Independence Day is, but this is apparently close to it. Yeah. Uh, okay. That, I mean... That makes a little makes more a sense. little more sense. Yeah. You, uh, you, you, you don't necessarily expect the NFL to care about that kind of thing. Yeah, little did I know. Uh, there was apparently a contingent in uh, Goodell's office uh, that was said, hey, hey, but make sure we get a game on Independence on Day Independence down in Brazil weekend, if you don't mind. Yeah. Um, so. Interesting. Uh, I had not even seen this story until we had dropped it in our run of show today. And very interesting. And we already know the teams that the Eagles are going to play. Mm-hmm. So now everybody that is on the schedule, at least for next year, is either <laughs> saying, yeah, pick me, or they're thinking, ooh, I really don't want to travel. Yeah, uh, they're, they're kind of on high alert one yeah. way or the other, like uh-huh. you said. And, and it is literally the eve. Independence Day is September 7th. Wow. So, so good timing. Uh, kind of cool that the NFL was cognizant of that, or at least working with uh, local officials there to, to highlight that. 
Uh, it'll be cool. It'll be fun. I will be curious to see what the fan makeup looks like. Uh, we've joked over a number of years about the, the games in London, how uh, uh, everybody wears the different jerseys of just different teams. They don't really even cheer for any of the teams that are playing. Yeah, uh, I'll be curious to see what kind of environment they get down in Brazil. Well, you know, here's my thing. You know, if you go back to the games that they played in Mexico, in Mexico City, here, I mean, those were really exciting and great environments it seemed like and that kind of thing so i'm like you said i'm interested to see if that translates a little bit further south yeah i, I think this will be kind of cool and kind of the way the world works now you know where does this take you? Do you does this become an annual game uh does this become a game where maybe argentina gets in and, and you rotate between the two germany and london have kind of been a cool little tandem the last couple of years so uh it's kind of fun. It's kind of unique. Uh, I hate that it'll be on a Friday night, just in the sense that uh, you and I and, and I, I many others, we won't be able to catch much it. of yeah, it, if any. I won't see it. Um, the time zone, obviously, will be a little more conducive, which is a nice uh, kind of wrinkle for those that will be able to watch. But, uh, yeah, very unusual and interesting timing, kind of popping this right in the middle of Super Bowl week as well. Well, you know, that's when Goodell has his big... Mm -hmm. media availability and that kind of thing. So I imagine that had something to do with the timing of this announcement as well. But, um, you know, as you mentioned, first time in more than 50 years that the NFL will have played a Friday night football game. But um, with the almost yearly multiple games, as you said, over in London, um, Carolina is going to play in Munich this year the bears vikings and jacksonville are all going to play in london so they're getting three games out of the 17 game schedule over there i mean it's almost a constant now i guess and i guess that's the plan they're just going to play over there every year and play a handful of games over there every year so they're kind of opening up new territory now yep uh new market opening up um and i think the big catalyst is is not really a shock that the Jaguars are involved in again. They're kind of that Perma London team um, with the ownership group there. You know, mm -hmm. the Khan family obviously kind of being uh, familiar and maybe even in, in some circles okay with the idea of exploring, you know, maybe relocating them across the pond one day. But uh, this will be a fun event. And yeah, the Bears, Vikings, Jags, uh, all in London, and then the Panthers. I, I do find it interesting. We only know kind of half of the equation on all these games. Well, I don't yeah. know why you don't just go ahead and just announce everything the, all the at game. once. Right. Yeah. Well, you know. It's the that would take all the fun out of it, I suppose. It yeah. Yeah. You're kind of, you know, ginning some stuff up. Who are they going to play? Who are they going to play? Yeah. So, um, yeah, that will definitely bear watching here over the next few weeks, of, you know, whenever they decide to announce that, I guess. And so some of the teams that Philly will play next year, uh, and they'll be the designated home team, as you mentioned. Right. So mm -hmm. uh, that can narrow it down even further. But well, for sure, and, and to narrow it down even further, I don't believe it would be a division game. Yeah, yeah, probably presumably. You know, the Cowboys aren't making a trip over uh, to Sao Paulo on week one, especially. Yeah. But uh, teams potentially listed could be the Falcons, the Panthers, the Browns. Toss out the Cowboys, Packers, Jaguars, Giants, Steelers. Um, not I could get down. Not the Giants, likely. Because again, they're in the division. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, I could, I could get down with a little uh, Keystone State battle, but just move it down to Sao Paulo, a little Steelers Eagles. That uh, would be interesting. That'd be spicy. Yeah, this this same article I'm pulling up here on CBS 
They have the Steelers in their quote-unquote number two uh, power rankings or team most likely, uh, Packers being number one, which kind of makes sense, right? Uh, kind of a historical franchise. Yeah, maybe big has following. Some, yeah, big following, thing. right. Mm-hmm. Um, so then more Pittsburgh could be kind of cool. Uh, and it would be AFC, NFC if you had the, uh, the Steelers. Steelers go down. So yeah. it'd be kind of fun, a uh, little, little South American flair uh, for the NFL. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, when we come back here on Main Street Sports today, we will be joined by the Athletics' Joe Rexroad talking a little Kentucky Vanderbilt, probably more Kentu- uh, Vanderbilt, even though Kentucky was victorious. So stay with us here on Main Street Sports today from the Lee Company Studios. We will be right back. Workers are probably like, I don't want any part of this. And some are probably like, oh baby, I can't wait. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact us at 931-381-2663 or www.mtbj.net. With Lee Company Technology, the best handymen are hands-off. Lee Company Techs have been using visual findings and other smart technology tools for years to add transparency and virtually take customers along. You see what we see, whether we're in a crawl space or on a roof. With Lee Company, technology helps us help you, no matter what's happening in the world or at your house. Jones and Lang Sporting Goods here in Columbia has been outfitting teams, officials, and anybody else from T-ball to college for 50-plus years. Be sure and check them out at 931-388-8060 or online at jonesandlang.com. Jones and Lang Sporting Goods, the look of a winner. Zion Christian Academy, zioneagles.org or 931-388-5731. You can schedule your appointment. Go toward their campus. It is beautiful over there, and you're definitely going to want to see it. Again, it's zioneagles.org. Give them a call, 931-388-5731, and schedule your tour today. Custom Stone Handler supplies over 600 distributors and suppliers with quality stone products. Along with River Stone, we produce and distribute over 100 building, landscape, and other bulk products. Our goal is to provide quality products, service, and partnerships to ensure our customers' success. We firmly believe Lawrence that County the measure of any person of or company is how they treat other people and customers. Give them a call at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. A game without a crowd is just a scrimmage. A performance without an audience is just a rehearsal. Without your presence, high school sports and the performing arts aren't possible. Ensure that these essential extracurricular activities continue to enrich the lives of students in Tennessee. Purchase a ticket to your local high school's game or performance. This message presented by the TSSAA. Live under the lights. A city of performers. Putting on one heck of a show. Headlining night after night. Welcome to Smashville. 
Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. We specialize in orthopedic service, and our ortho-quick walk-in clinic lets you bypass the ER. Visit us online at www.mtbj.net. Not Chris Yao. Chris should be back by the end of the week. There's rumors he's going to make an appearance later in the week. Yeah, we Friday may be a big extravaganza. We may even ha- we may have a three man crew for Friday. It is leading into the Super Bowl. So yeah, I mean, if if not, then when? Right? Don't hold anything back. Thank you. Brian. I had, I had to. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, that's okay. That's okay. Um, speaking of not holding anything back, we are bringing out the big guns right now. Joe Rexroad of the Athletic joins us. Talk a little Vanderbilt men's basketball. Joe, again, was at Memorial Gym last night for the 109-77 Kentucky win over the Commodores. And, Joe, good afternoon. I will say I actually was not in, at uh, Memorial Gym last night, which I guess that's a sign of the times. But uh, oh. 7.30 start and a game that I knew would be ugly, but – Maybe not quite that ugly, so I have not gone to a lot of Vanderbilt basketball this year, I will tell you. Well, you're certainly not alone. That's uh, true. Um, my bad. I thought you were there. Um, I, I can certainly understand why you weren't, though, as you alluded to. But, you know, what did you see and you know, what do you see? I mean, Joe, it doesn't feel like this situation is getting any better. No, it doesn't, Mo. And, you know, it's it's interesting because it seems so far away now that Vanderbilt went 11-7 and in a very good SEC, beat the best teams in the SEC, beat, you know, Auburn and Kentucky twice and Tennessee. And Jerry Stackhouse was named SEC Coach of the Year. That was a year ago. And Is that so, all? <laughs> I know it, it's amazing how, how far away it seems now. Um, at that point, year four, disappointment, obviously, they didn't get in. I thought they deserved more consideration than they got, but obviously what they did in the non-league killed them last mm-hmm. year. Or didn't um, do. Yeah, exactly. But still, you know, I mean, I really thought this team had a chance to be to build on that and finally get that bid and kind of entrench Jerry Stackhouse and, Instead, it's year five, and obviously it's just a very bad team. And some of that's bad luck. You know, Colin Smith getting hurt and Lee Dort um, facing criminal charges. I mean, those are things you don't account for going into a season. But even before that stuff, very disappointing team. And I just – I think I think the apathy – I mean, it's a combination of – if anybody – was a Vanderbilt – fan wants to talk about Vanderbilt basketball it's just about Jerry Stackhouse's job status at this point and for the most part I see a lot of apathy so it's just you know when it comes down to it as good as they were a year ago as promising as really the last two years have been in terms of late season surges I mean five years without a bid and a fifth year that's this bad to me just it makes it, I, it we're really I think pointing toward 
a new regime coming with that program. It's tough to think otherwise. And what makes it tough is, again, Stack just signed a, an extension last year. Yeah. Right. Yeah, um, for sure. And this is this is what ADs do, unfortunately. Agents run circles around ADs. And I don't know how, how it all came about with you know, we, we know how it goes, though, right? Like, the extensions are given too quickly and for too long, and some of it's recruiting-related. But, yes, that will that will hurt, but I still don't think it's a non-starter for, for moving on from him. Joe, as uh, the season kind of winds down, I'm, I'm glancing at the Vanderbilt schedule. It doesn't look like things get exactly any easier. Uh, up next, they got to go to South Carolina on Saturday. You get Texas A&M back at, at home uh, the day before Valentine's Day, and then you travel to Thompson Bowling. Is there anything uh, that we could potentially glean out of the last game or two, any sign of optimism or life, or is this almost truly kind of just a sunk cause this year for Vanderbilt? Well, like Evan Taylor was really good, you know, last night against Kentucky. I mean, 77 points for this Vanderbilt team is good. Now, as bad as Kentucky's been on defense, that's I guess there's an asterisk there. And when you give up 109, you can't find much solace in it, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, – but I mean, that's the thing is Kentucky is Kentucky is loaded. I mean, Kentucky has I think maybe like five, six guys who are going to get drafted. Um, so that's it was a it was a tough chore going into that game. But Vanderbilt defensively has just been a massive disappointment from a team perspective. You know, it's just it's been all year, and I don't I don't know what it is. You have some personnel changes. You had a rim protector in Liam Robbins. You don't have that anymore. You had an all-around kind of, you know, kind of a, 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 a glue, great glue guy in Quentin Melora Brown. He ends up transferring out, right? So, I, I mean, I think, you know, you can see where some of the issues would come in, but just still overall the team defense has been atrocious. Um, you know, like, I mean, it, I feel bad for a guy like Ezra Magnon. He's he's still a terrific player. I mean, he's, he's – he, every night he brings it, you know, but he just doesn't have much help. And Tyron Lawrence – huge return for Vanderbilt last summer. Remember, he got in the portal and it was, of course, they lost Jordan Wright already, you know, and he's doing big things at LSU. Miles Studi at South Carolina, but that one was kind of he was kind of going to get replaced in the lineup by Colin Smith. But um, Tyron Lawrence gets in the portal. Vanderbilt makes it so that he comes back. And, and, And make no mistake, they made sure he didn't come back. I mean, this is the era of getting in the portal and seeing what kind of NIL money you can get and and teams that haven't have really pony up to keep someone. And he's just – I think he's been a little banged up. So, to be fair to him, it's not just like performance, but it's it's been disappointing with, with him. I mean, the hope was, of course, that he would take another step and be a star player in the SEC this year. Joe Rexroth of The Athletic joining us here on Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Joe, when you talk about the transfers, I mean, does that make it even more frustrating? You know, I think about a Dylan DeSue out of Texas and what he's doing. He was in this right. program at one time. Mm-hmm. And when you look around, you've got a team of Vanderbilt transfers out there. No question. I mean, that's the thing. It's a lot more out than in, you know. And, and look, I mean, Jerry Stackhouse has talked about this. I think he's overplayed it a little bit. But it is it is diff, more difficult for Vanderbilt. It, they can't just get anybody in at any time like, uh, you know, most of the SEC. So, you know, there, there are more challenges in that way. I think a big challenge, like Jordan Wright, for example, 
you know, and we've talked about this before. I think most people who follow Vanderbilt know this. A big challenge is when someone gets their bachelor's degree, getting into graduate school at Vanderbilt is definitely hard. Like, that's a big deal. Like, when Jordan Cambridge got in, that was a big deal. Like, holy cow, got into grad. Like, it, it's hard. You know, it is not like, oh, yeah, let's yeah, get another program and keep you know, going with your eligibility. So there are challenges. But, you know, the funny thing is, I mean, Jerry Stackhouse, I would say two of his best three players at Vanderbilt would be Manion and Robbins, who, of course, played together last year. And those are both transfer portal guys, right? Um, I mean, that's the, the failing to me of the Jerry Stackhouse era is high school recruiting. He just has not evaluated, has not landed nearly the, the uh, level of talent he needs to. Way too many misses, way too few hits. And it's still about that. Like, you still have to have a foundation of high school recruiting that's effective, even today with all the portal stuff. I mean, Tennessee is a contender because Dalton Connect was the best land in the portal, you know. 6-8 lottery pick. So, great job there. But the rest of that team, for the most part, are high school recruited guys, and it's still like a top 25 team without them. You know, and you talk about the high school recruiting piece for Stackhouse, and it's been uneven more than anything because I look at a Jason Rivera Torres. That kid can play for anybody in the league, right? Yeah, I know. I, I I do like him absolutely. I like him. Um, yeah, he's had a few for sure. I mean, Lawrence is a is a guy, a high school guy. You know, a guy that he recruited at high school, so it hasn't been totally devoid. Mm-hmm. of talent mm-hmm. but you got to have more hits you know and then like you said mo then you lose some key guys and now you're in a bind yeah um go ahead uh joe coming out of this game kind of just a slightly pivot from vanderbilt they've already taken enough uh battering i, I guess for one segment here but uh what does this <laughs> what does this do for kentucky now is this the perfect kind mm-hmm. of get right medicine for the wildcats yeah, they needed a feel-good game after what Tennessee did to them on their on their home floor. And, after uh, South Carolina. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right, which is, of course, an incredible story in this league. I mean, South Carolina picked last, and uh, they are, they're fighting for, for the SEC championship. What, that's a, just an amazing job by Lamont Paris mm-hmm. at South Carolina, who, of course, did, did really good things in Chattanooga. But, um, yeah, Kentucky, yeah, that's the thing that, you know, they get – they're going to get DJ Wagner back pretty soon. And, and I do, they do miss him, especially defensively. He is a guy who at least is a good on-ball defender. They're mm-hmm. so light on good defenders. And it, it's it's surprising because, you know, some of, I think some of Calipari's best coaching jobs have been with some of his really talented teams that have played really good defense. And, and I think he has rightfully deserved praise for that in the past. And maybe there's just so much emphasis. There was so much talk this year about it's time to get out of the stodgy offense it's time to be more free-flowing and get back to that and they've got the team to do it and maybe they just haven't emphasized it enough but to me if that team can just get to a reasonable level defensively where you're not giving up dunks on baseline out of bounds plays and you're just <laughs> you know you're, you're communicating on ball screens and you, you know, i mean just some basic stuff that they don't do i think they have the talent to still be a real problem in march i mean Big Z's out there hitting threes now. I mean, it's the depth of talent he has, I think, is among the best he's had. I mean, Dillingham is a top five pick out there last night, just doing whatever he wants to do. And then, you know, I mean, you've got uh, the veteran guard, um, Reeves, who's been a really nice, stable 
fours for them. I mean, Shepard, you know, Wagner, they have got guys left and right and size and Bradshaw. I mean, so I, I still think that team, I mean, some of it really is just like, you know, some focus and some effort. And, really, and sometimes teams like that, they get into March and the games mean everything, and all of a sudden you see a much higher level of play. Mm-hmm. And, and you talk about last night maybe being a get-right game for, for Kentucky. Saturday, they've got a Gonzaga team coming in that may not be your older brother's Gonzaga. They're receiving votes <laughs> in the top 25, but they are not what you have come to expect out of a Mark Few team to this point. I mean, it's, they got a chance to kind of um, get, get a little momentum up, I guess, here all of a sudden. They do. And, yeah, I mean, that game, you know, you looked at it on the schedule, and that's like a really attractive game. But but Gonzaga, I mean, this is I mean this is the worst Gonzaga season since Dan Munson was coach. Wow! Before anybody knew what the heck was going on with, uh-huh. with Gonzaga, I think that may be the case. You know, so um, you I, I mean I, I like I like Kentucky. I mean, Gonzaga just lost to St. Mary's. I watched some of that game. You know, they're they're still a pretty good team, but you know, we're used to so much more from them. So. Uh, that that should be. I mean, that should be at home uh, another chance for Kentucky to build some momentum. And they uh, follow up with Ole Miss coming in, and then they go to Auburn and LSU over the next couple of weeks. So, um, interesting stretch for the Cats. Um, again, coming back to Vanderbilt, maybe not quite so interesting. Um, they go to Fayetteville here before long. And the way Arkansas is playing right now, is that maybe their other chance for an SEC win? Yeah. Um, I, I, yeah, I'd give them some if. chance. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Arkansas, of course, Arkansas is still at home, has had some good performances too. They're very all over the place. Um, still some talent on that team. But, yeah, I would say that would probably be one of their better opportunities for sure. Um, I mean, it's it's slim pick. It's like good for them for, you know, for getting Missouri beat. You know, it's, it's you don't want to lose the game of the winless SEC teams that are combined 0-15. You know, you want to win that one. And that's the thing, too, is, you know, both of those teams, like we talk about South Carolina picked last, you know, Vanderbilt, Missouri were both obviously supposed to be a lot better than they are, although Missouri had tons of losses, but. Yeah, I mean, you look at the rest of this Vanderbilt schedule, I, mean, I think certainly you're going to be talking about, um, you know, you're going to be talking about 20-plus losses by the time they get to the SEC tournament. Um, I mean, Georgia at home, I guess maybe a chance, but Georgia, that's been a, that's been a pleasant surprise in this league. And, mm-hmm. and it's been a, a very hey, good Georgia's a team overall. that had Tennessee on the ropes at Stegman oh, early this yeah. year. No doubt. I mean, Connect had to had to save the day uh, in that one. So, you know, Florida at home in the finale. It's just it's tough. I mean, it's tough sledding. It's tough to find much, um, other than obviously the the SEC tournament having to win, you know, a bunch of games in a row to get the auto bid. And I just I just don't see this team. That Vanderbilt's had those teams. I mean, they've had kind of a history with Stackhouse of playing well in that event. But I'd be surprised if this team has much in it. Joe Rexrode of The Athletic joining us here on Main Street Sports today, talking a little hoops. And, Joe, we appreciate your insight, appreciate your time, and look forward to catching up with you soon. All right, guys. Great talking to you. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Joe. Hey, when we come back here on Main Street Sports today, what are we talking about?
Wait, what are we talking about? I lost my train. Oh, we're going to stay with college basketball with um, a little top 25 talk. We got into little, it a little, little rankings bit. Chatter. Yeah, little, little, little chatter. A little chatter. Yeah, so um, let's do that when we come back here on Main Street Sports today here in the Lee Company studios. We'll catch up with you here in just a bit. Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact us at 931-381-2663 or www.mtbj.net. Custom Stone Handler supplies over 600 distributors and suppliers with quality stone products. Along with River Stone, we produce and distribute over 100 building, landscape, and other bulk products. Our goal is to provide quality products, service, and partnerships to ensure our customers' success. We firmly believe that the measure of any person or company is how they treat other people and customers. Give them a call at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. A game without a crowd is just a scrimmage. A performance without an audience is just a rehearsal. Without your presence, high school sports and the performing arts aren't possible. Ensure that these essential extracurricular activities continue to enrich the lives of students in Tennessee. Purchase a ticket to your local high school's game or performance. This message presented by the TSSAA. With Lee Company Technology, the best handymen are hands-off. Lee Company Techs have been using visual findings and other smart technology tools for years to add transparency and virtually take customers along. You see what we see, whether we're in a crawl space or on a roof. With Lee Company, technology helps us help you, no matter what's happening in the world or at your house. Piggly Wiggly, located in Neely's Mill Shopping Center, is Columbia's locally owned and operated Cost Plus 10 grocery store dedicated to serving the community with low prices and smiling faces. Piggly Wiggly offers fresh, hand-cut meats daily as well as daily hot plate lunches from their deli counter. You're certain to see smiling faces and a helping hand when you're here at Piggly Wiggly. Come by and check out our fresh produce, high-quality meats, and more. Down home, down the street, we'll see you at the Pig. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. We specialize in orthopedic service, and our ortho quick walk-in clinic lets you bypass the ER. Visit us online at www.mtbj.net. Oklahoma. Welcome back. To the Lee Company studio here in Columbia. This is Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid Tennessee Bone and Joint. I'm Maurice Patton. That's I almost did it. I'm gonna do it at yeah, some point. That's, that's okay. Muscle memory, no doubt. That's Wade Neely. There we go. There we go. Yeah, um, Wade. We were talking a little men's basketball top twenty-five in that last segment. Let's talk a little bit more as. The top three this week 
continued unchanged from last week, UConn, Purdue, and North Carolina. We would anticipate that changing in the next poll due to a certain outcome in a certain conference to our east as Clemson went into Chapel Hill and picked up an 80-76 to 76 win last night. Yeah, didn't get to watch any of this game, but I saw the notification. We were a busy. Yeah, we were tied up uh, on the preps end of the spectrum last mm-hmm. night, but uh, saw the notification come in, and yeah, UNC goes down at home after that big win versus Duke over the weekend, and then Clemson, of all schools, comes in and kind of stuns them a little bit there. Uh, Clemson, not exactly a, a horrid program by any means, but definitely a surprise. Yeah, not what you would expect, especially going into the Dean, though. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, you're looking at a shakeup there, uh, which that obviously looks like it's going to open up the door for a school like Kansas, Houston, Tennessee, maybe not after coming off the loss to Kentucky. But obviously, uh, as long as they keep taking care of business, they're going to be right there on the top five cut line. Yeah, Tennessee, you know, again, having gone up to Rupp this past weekend, they got a big one tonight um, at home against LSU. Big in that it's a conference game, not big that it's LSU because they're having their struggles. But, um, yeah, it looks like there's going to be some room for some upward mobility for somebody following that UNC loss. But, again, Connecticut, Purdue, and North Carolina, the top three. Kansas, four. Houston, five. Tennessee drops a spot, again, after that loss at home to South Carolina last week. But they bounced back in fine fashion, scoring, what, 103? Yeah. So... Marquette 7, Arizona 8, Duke, you just mentioned, just lost to Carolina over the weekend. They fell two spots to number 9. Illinois quietly at number 10. Wisconsin drops five spots. They're coming in at 11 this week. Auburn at 12, Baylor, Iowa State, South Carolina. Again, um, Joe talked about the great job Lamont Paris is doing over there in his second season coming out of Chattanooga. Um, the Gamecocks 19 and three. This is the second week that they've been ranked, and it's the first time since 2017. So, you could kind of read the tea leaves of a little Cinderella run. Uh, the only thing you're worried about is are you peaking too early? And right now they are hotter than a two dollar pistol, as they, someone they, would like to say. But they, they are, and you hope know, they can keep it up. Here's the thing, you know, you look at. Right here, 15, 16, 17, you've got South Carolina, Alabama, and Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And again, it just kind of speaks to what's going on in this, this Southeastern Conference this year. And, and I think that's why you see a South Carolina beat a Kentucky or a South Carolina beat a Tennessee, because you've kind of got some, it's cliche, any given night, blah, blah, blah. But I mean, you're really kind of seeing this league live up to that this year. Yeah. And, uh, Pulling up the SEC rankings earlier, uh, or standings, I should say, earlier. You got Alabama sitting there. The polls, that's what's always kind of fun, too, and I know there's a lot that goes into it, but the polls don't obviously reflect the current standings at mm-hmm. any given time. Alabama currently sits there with an 8-1 record. South Carolina's 8-2. and two. And then you get into Auburn, Tennessee, and Kentucky. So in an ironic fashion, Tennessee, the highest-ranked team, maybe a top-five team in the country by all accounts, technically sitting there in the four spot. And then Kentucky, as we just talked with Joe, uh, as dangerous as they can be, mm-hmm. uh, they're in the 15 to 18 type category, but they're they're kind of lurking in the weeds too. So the rankings corresponding with the standings is always kind of fun for me to look at. Dayton at 18, Creighton 
Florida Atlantic still getting it done, 18 and four. They play tomorrow night down at UAB. That should be a game worth keeping an eye on. Um, BYU comes in at 21. Utah State, huh, Utah stand up. Um, Texas Tech at 23. San Diego State and New Mexico rounding out this week's Associated Press Top 25. As we mentioned, Gonzaga getting votes, but not as many as St. Mary's in their same conference. Mm -hmm. So um, also, again, we've got Joe Sullivan coming up here in a little bit. Indiana State's his, his darling. They are receiving votes as well. They are third in that category behind St. Mary's and Texas Christian. Um, women's hoops. I know you'll be shocked to know that South Carolina is number one. Get out of here. Strange, I know. Yeah. The Gamecocks 21 and 0. They play at home tomorrow night against Missouri. Missouri, who handed Vanderbilt one of its handful of losses. Speaking of Vanderbilt, tomorrow night they take on LSU at Memorial Gym. LSU coming in at 19 and 4, ranked 13th. And the Commodore women coming off of a tough loss Monday night at home against Alabama. So, you know, when you talk about get right games, this is not that for Vanderbilt. Kind of the opposite uh, of that. Yeah, you gotta you you want to try to keep this thing from spinning out of control. All of a sudden, they've gotten off to such a great start. What are they? Seventeen and five now, something like that. I think that is correct. Um, and and playing some good ball. Yeah, man. yeah. Uh, I mean, but I think the schedule kind of turned catching up with them bit. just a touch. You, I think you're onto something there. But still, again, playing some really good ball. They are, you know, closer to, you know, an NCAA berth than they've been mm -hmm. in a long time. So we'll continue to keep an eye on the Commodore women. Um, again, South Carolina won Iowa two. Caitlin Clark and whoever else is on the floor with her. You know, and it's about it, all you hear about. Yeah, and it's funny that you mention this. Uh, in Michigan, they're down a little bit this year, women's basketball-wise, 15-9, 6-6. -6, and uh, really good team just a few seasons ago. And I kind of started glancing at, at the standings. Uh, it's ironic we're talking about it right now because I was just checking it out this morning. And I was like, well, if they're down in the middle, who's at the top? And then when I pulled them up, I was like, oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> I was at the top. You've kind of just almost – kind of in a weird way forget that they're even in the Big Ten. I know that sounds silly to say, but it kind of just almost feels like so much of an afterthought because they're such a national powerhouse mm -hmm. that it just makes it that much tougher. They're sitting there, Ohio State's sitting there, both at 10 and 1. And uh, we're shaping up for another fantastic, I think, women's. Uh, maybe this, to me, just glancing at these rankings, I haven't watched a ton of games outside of a few Michigan games this year. Seems like we're in store for another deep tournament this year which leads to me at least seems like we're looking for a lot of parity again this year yeah it's it, it feels like a deep tournament and it feels like a lot of names that you aren't necessarily familiar with on a national scope i mean again i was to north carolina state is three mm -hmm. colorado which if you're an MTSU fan, that one kind of makes you cringe a little yep. bit but colorado coming in at four ohio state stanford Texas at seven, Kansas State, UCLA, uh, Southern Cal, 
UCLA nine and Southern Cal ten. How back about to back. that? Yeah. Um, UConn lurking at 11, followed by Notre Dame, LSU at 13, as we mentioned, Indiana, another Big Ten team at 14, Louisville, Virginia Tech, Virginia, Virginia Tech, a Final Four team last year, um, coming in at six at 16, Oregon State of the Pac-2, <laughs> Baylor, Gonzaga, so the Gonzaga women are yeah. ranked and the men aren't, little, little, how the, Tables how the turns table, yeah. yes, yes, uh, Utah at 20, Creighton, West Virginia, Syracuse, Oklahoma, and Princeton. Tennessee, among others, receiving votes. Middle is not. Yeah, no MTSU love, which is none, uh, none. not even a single vote. Uh, it's a little, little frustrating. little frustrating. Tennessee is kind of on the tail end of this with uh, receiving just three votes. Florida State with two, Michigan State, and Duke with one apiece, uh, receiving a vote, I guess, technically. Mm -hmm. um, Lady Vols, and, and uh, I guess I'll ask you, uh, as you've perhaps been, been in tune a little more with them, What's the, what's the scope? What's the status for Tennessee? Because, they, again, this is a similar situation to we just evaluated the men's SEC standings. Tennessee is not even really sniffing in earnest the, the top 25, but they're second in the league in, in what's regarded as a really deep league yet again, and they're 14-7 and seven overall, but they're not even uh, garnering more than a handful of votes right now. I think their early season schedule really kind of did some damage to them on a – on a national level, mm -hmm. um, I mean, they, they played a tough schedule and and dropped some games, and now they're they're trying to kind of regain some of that respect through the SEC. And as you mentioned, right now number two in the standings in the SEC, but you know they took it on the chin against um, Florida State. Um, they lost to Indiana. They beat Oklahoma by three, but they lost to Notre Dame. They lost to Ohio State. They lost to MTSU down in Huntsville. So again, they've played a strenuous schedule in the non-conference, and they've just not quite been able to get back, I guess, in the eyes of the visitors, um, um, of the voters, excuse me. Um, that 15-point loss out of Texas A&M probably didn't help them a whole lot either, but they did go down to Starkville and win. They beat Vanderbilt, again, a good Vanderbilt team that's mm -hmm. really um, seen its stock rise, I think. Um, they have a trip to Alabama on tomorrow night, followed by Arkansas coming in on Monday night, and... If they can pick those up, then I, I would think they continue to surge there. That would give them four straight victories. So get back in the uh, in the good graces of the voters, if you will. Just in time to play South Carolina. Well, yeah, just <laughs> and it, who knows though? Maybe you obviously win that game somehow, some way, and and now you really climb. Uh, since we were talking a little Tennessee, we even mentioned MTSU real quick. ESPN bracketology. Uh, Vanderbilt is one of the last four teams in projected to play Iowa State in a play-in game. Uh, Tennessee and MTSU both listed as 10 seeds. MTSU in this hypothetical scenario mm -hmm. would go to Los Angeles and play Michigan State. Uh, UCLA also in, mm -hmm. that, in that bracket there being the, the two seed there. Uh, Tennessee, meanwhile, would draw in this situation UNLV. And the 10-7 game, UNLV would be the 7. And then Colorado, that would be out in the Boulder Regional. So um, 
Obviously, that will change tremendously as we go along, but according to ESPN right now, you got Vanderbilt, you got Tennessee, you got MTSU, uh, three of your premier programs kind of all right there in the mix. We'd like to see those seeds rise up, but... Uh, You'd like to see those seeds rise up. UT fans are going to struggle with the idea of Tennessee playing on the road the first weekend, mm -hmm. but I don't, at this point, I don't know any way around that unless... Unless they win the SEC tournament. Knock off South Carolina, maybe, and then, yeah, somehow, yeah, hopefully, that kickstarts a run. Kind of depends on who they beat in the tournament as to whether or not they would be able to um, have enough oomph to get a top four seed and a host spot for, for that first weekend. Yeah, it doesn't look promising, uh, and you're right. Uh, and I love, my dad is the ultimate barometer of a quote-unquote classic UT Lady Vols fan. Um, it's never, ever really good enough, which obviously speaks to the, the heights that that program obviously was and could potentially get back to. But mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's always interesting uh, to kind of pick his brain and just see what he thinks about the program because in his mind, his estimation, if you told him that bracket, it would, uh, it would warrant uh, some heads rolling in, in Knoxville and – um, short of burning the campus down. That's just kind of the barometer that's kind of, or the mark that's been set there um, for a lot of UT fans, it feels like. Yeah, and unfortunately that that conversation is out there. So we'll see how that goes. When we come back here on Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint, we will continue talking basketball a little closer to home as we're going to get with Joe Sullivan to get his insight on some local division one hoops. So stay with us. We thrive under the lights. The city of performers. Putting on one heck of a show. Headlining night after night. Welcome to Smashville. Since 1975, Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint Clinic has treated the orthopedic needs of Middle Tennessee residents. The trained physicians provide surgical options and minimally invasive options to treat all orthopedic needs. The walk-in clinic, OrthoQuick, helps you bypass the ER while treating sports injuries and acute needs Monday through Saturday. Visit MTBJ online at mtbj.net or on social media at Mid-Tennessee Bone Joint Clinic. This is Chris Yao with Main Street Sports Today. Every show, Mo Patton and I welcome friends from all across the sports landscape, from high school coaches and reporters to national, college, and pro sports personalities. You never know who might stop by for a chat. AP Tennessee Sports Editor, three-time Tennessee Sports Writer of the Year 2020 TSWA Hall of Famer. She covers the Titans, the Predators, the Grizzlies, college football, and hoops. 
please make welcome Teresa Walker. Former University of Tennessee, former Team USA Olympian, XI Young Award winner, R.A. Dickey. R.A., did I miss anything? Man, that was sweet. <laughs> yeah, I need to listen to that before I go to bed every night. That was nice. <laughs> Has five sports Emmys. That's not bad for the other guy in Wham. Ryan McGee. <laughs> other guy in Wham married the best-looking girl Bananarama. So other guy in Wham had pretty good life. From preps to pros, we're taking on the sports topics you care about. Tune in across Main Street Media social platforms at 2 p.m. or on demand on your podcast distribution platform of choice. Wild and Wacky Wednesday here on Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. We'll be delving into some of the wildest and wackiest stories from across the world here at the, well, in the final segment, not the bottom of the hour, but in the final segment of the show. The wheels were turning in my brain right there. Yeah, but right now we are joined by Joe Sullivan of NashvilleHoops.blog, who, judging by his blog, has some questions. <laughs> now that was from that was from Thursday that you had some questions for Belmont, Vandy, TSU, MTSU, and Lipscomb. Did any of yes. those have any of those questions been answered to this point? Yes, yes, one definitely has. Uh, Vanderbilt cannot build on its uh, victory over Missouri as they we saw not. when they uh, lost to Kentucky the other night, uh, one hundred nine to seventy seven. Uh, and uh, I noticed that triggered a uh, story in the Tennessee and by Aria Gerson, why Vanderbilt won't fire Jerry Stackhouse in the middle of the season. Well, I think we're on the tail end of the season, but that's like uh, now it's just not message board talk. It's uh, it's out there uh, among legitimate journalists discussing Jerry Stackhouse's future after that debacle the other night. Uh, it's uh, you know, almost, sad to, almost sad to see, don't you think? It, I think it's highly sad to see Vanderbilt basketball in the state that it is right now. But I'm going to pull up a little short of calling a loss to Kentucky a debacle. I mean, they're still Kentucky. Yes, but the the, the margin, Mo, is just yeah. uh, and it was like it was like they it was like the Globetrotters versus the Washington Generals. It was like dunks and three pointers, and uh, it, it was it was horrible. Yeah, to, uh, witness. It really was. It, and, and, uh, it, it, it's like a car accident you're looking at. And and you know we had Joe Rexrode on earlier in the show talking about last night's game as well. And the tough thing about it is, for so long, Vanderbilt has hung its hat on its men's basketball program, and so I think that makes it even tougher to see it in the state that it's in right now, just because people have. Rely, you know, Vanderbilt fans in particular, obviously, have relied so much on that being their pride and joy. You know, baseball has obviously elevated here over the last 10, 15, 20 years, but basketball was there when everything else it felt like was struggling. And so for them to be where they are right now is a really tough pill for a lot of Vanderbilt fans to swallow. And from that standpoint, the talk of we got to do something about this is really becoming glaring it sure is and uh uh 
it, 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 we discussed this moment, but we, we got to state it again to, to say what the problem is since we're discussing it. It's, they're not talented enough. Their best players are not good enough to compete on this level. When you have a season, when your highlight probably is a four-point win over UNC Greensboro, uh, that's not very good. And uh, uh, I'm not. I, I would never sit here and, and call for anyone's job, or, or uh, it's not my role. Uh, I think that's a terrible thing to do, but. I think what we're doing is looking at the obvious with these results that what happens normally is the schools change coaches when you're in this situation. I'll phrase it that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, nice way of uh, turn of phrase there, uh, Joe. As uh, kind of glancing through your blog here, we were also uh, mentioning schools. And let's kind of shine, if you would, just a quick light on Belmont, on TSU, and MTSU. What can you tell us about those three programs in particular? Uh, and I suppose even include Lipscomb in that, if you would. Sure, we'll do. And uh, so Belmont, the, the wheels have really fallen off for them. Uh, uh, 12 and 11 overall, 5 and 7 uh, in the Missouri Valley. They're playing Murray State tonight. I'll be up there at the Curve Center later. And uh, oddly, they're behind Murray State in the standings now. Murray State's ahead of them. And it is, uh, uh, you know, lack of depth, injuries, the injury to point guard Jacoby Gillespie really hurt them. During this, now this he got three. back this weekend, did he not? He sure did, and he came off the bench. Uh, still played 26 minutes. I'm looking down at my notes so I don't mess up. 15 points, seven assists, uh, two steals, no turnovers. He's he's tremendous, and uh, I would expect he'd even play even more tonight. Uh, it was just a question of stamina. Uh, he was uh, wearing a wrap on his wrist, uh, uh, on his wrist, you know, in his hand. Uh, it's a wrist injury that the details weren't revealed. Uh, Trust me, I've asked Casey several times. I can't <laughs> shake it loose. and uh, But they need him desperately. Uh, he makes a big difference. And uh, they actually, I think they have a chance to go on a little streak here because the schedule lightens up. I mean, they, they have a, a winnable game against Murray State tonight. I don't want to say that it's a given by any stretch, especially the way they've been playing. And then they go to UIC. I mean, that, that looks like a winner. And then they got... Uh, Southern Illinois at home, but the game's at home, and then they go to uh, then they go to. Uh, I'm sorry, they have Valpo this Saturday, and UIC is the fourth game I'm talking about. So those are all winnable games. We could uh, in, in a couple of weeks here talk about Belmont being on a four-game winning streak and maybe getting uh, interesting for the uh, Missouri Valley tournament. And and that's kind of what they need to get yeah. ready for the Valley tournament is to maybe get on a roll here over this stretch and and get to feeling a little bit better, both emotionally and physically, I guess. Let, let me ask you guys a question. How do, I mean, how do, I, I would, uh, I want to see Indiana State in the tournament because I think they're exciting, interesting team, a different team. Uh, and if they were to lose at, at Arch Madness, uh, the, the, right now the Valley is not, they wouldn't get an NCAA bid, I don't think. I don't think so, so either. Yeah. So where would you stand? How do you root for it, Mo? Wade, how do you guys look at it? I mean, I, I think I, I want Indiana State to be in the tournament. I, I, I agree with you. I mean, I'm always we, – we are both mid-major products. Everybody on this show is a mid-major graduate, so to speak. And so, so we like to see those stories. Um, and for the way Indiana State has played all year, it'd be tough to – not see them get an NCAA tournament bid. But at the same time, I think the status of the Valley this year is such that 
you pretty much got to win that conference, I think. I think you're right. And uh, I, now, if, if I was king of the world, uh, it would be two-bid league, and Drake would be in with them, and we, or the winner of the tournament and Indiana State would be in the tournament. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, would be the NCAAs. I mean, I'm saying tournament too often there. Uh, but that's that's not the way things are. So I, th- I think we agree, and uh, I, I'd love to see Indiana State test themselves in the NCAA tournament this year. They're so interesting and fun to watch. And I think if you didn't necessarily like seeing teams of that ilk before last year, certainly the NCAA Final Four and the path to the Final Four for both Florida Atlantic and San Diego State really had to kind of whet your appetite for that type thing, I would think. It certainly does mine, yeah. And it's uh, it's it just makes it more interesting rather than a rematch of the uh, middling schools from the power conferences to me. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd much rather see an Indiana State than the number seven Big 12 team or Big 10 team or whoever it yep. is, you know. Not necessarily, I agree. Not necessarily the number seven SEC team. But anyway, uh, Joe... You mentioned a couple of weeks ago, Darren Boyd had missed some time for Lipscomb. Mm. He's back. And yeah. Speaking and, uh, of making a difference. Yeah, and, and Will Pruitt also back for them because he had a hip problem. So Lipscomb now has everyone back, uh, you know, not counting uh, uh, Jacob uh, Ignatovic, who hasn't mm-hmm. played the whole year, so we're not yeah. going to count him. And he's not uh, coming back. Yeah, He's not coming back this season. Uh, so they have their team, and uh, their goal – so Lipscomb – Lipscomb could make the NCAA tournament by winning the Atlantic Sun tournament. They they are a team that could do that, especially when they're whole. And one of the keys to that is finishing in the top four so they can get the home games. That conference plays all their tournament games at the home, the home court of the higher seed. So uh, they could do it. I think they, they're looking at uh, a streak here where they could, they could actually – I guess my, my mind has really drifted toward the end of the season here, hasn't it? I think they can win – Every game, and then they have Northern Kentucky, the first place team, at home on March first in their final uh, in their final game. So it's uh, you know it's it, they haven't been that reliable at times, but there is a possibility that Lipscomb could also go on a run here and and get into that top four, or even higher, and then have a home game or two, and then once you get one two home games, then maybe you have to go to. Uh, Eastern Kentucky for the for the final and with the winner going to the NCAA tournament. So we, I it, think Lipscomb fans can feel good that they have a chance that something happened. It's tough to remember that they went to Tallahassee and beat Florida State. Yeah, really is. Seems, yeah, seems seems ages ago. Uh, Joe, while we got you, we're kind of talking about teams with some positive and some momentum. Uh, we had referenced Tennessee State earlier. Uh, seems like the Tigers have kind of been on a little bit of a hot streak. Uh, just above 500 overall, but they seem like they're maybe potentially peaking at the right time. What are you seeing out of the the team from uh, Nashville there? So they're five. They've won five out of their last six, and the one loss was to Moorhead State. Uh, and Christian Brown, the leading scorer for Tennessee State, didn't play. He has foot problems, and they they reoccur uh, a lot. So uh, that's the first thing. They need Christian Brown with on two solid feet playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he was back the next game and they won again. So, uh, there is a team that really should go on a wing streak. They, their next three games all all on the road are against the bottom three teams in the league in the standings, Lindenwood, uh, 
SEMO, Southeastern Missouri, and Tennessee Tech. This is a chance for uh, Tennessee State to add to their uh, to their victory total this year, and they really, hopefully, they will. But they also are not like many teams, not great on the road. Mo, I got to take a drink so I don't start coughing again. <laughs> and uh, so there's a chance for them. Right? So Lipscomb and, and, and Tennessee State, yes, there's a chance for something to go on here. It's uh, And then after they play those three games, they come home for three games at Gentry where they're not in two this, this year. So there's possibilities out there. I, these teams just haven't been reliable, but it, it looks like the schedule is favorable for at least the three schools we just talked about. For Vandy, no. And and we'll kind of bookend it. For, for and Vandy. for Middle Tennessee, no. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah it's unfortunate, it's you know, because they, they definitely kind of backslid a little bit with that with that game against Western Kentucky where they were up early. Yeah. My condolences, Mo, on the uh, yeah, well, 100 miles of hate there. Well, unfortunately, it, I've, gr I've grown a little used to it with this team. Too much for my liking. Yeah, yeah, so... They, Thank goodness uh, for the women. Uh, yes, they're terrific. So eight wins right now for Middle Tennessee. And I think the, I didn't ask this question when I wrote the story this week, but here would be another question for you. Can they make it to 10? And I I, I don't think they're going to make it to 10. I don't think there's two wins left on their schedule. They're in last place now in Conference USA. And oh, they, goodness there they gracious, will stay. Joe, know. you're killing me. You are I know, killing it's just, me. It's really so, the, 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 you know, they have some home games. Uh, they have three home games left. So it's New Mexico State, UTEP, and Western Kentucky. You like them in any of those games, Mo? No. Nope. Well, now that you put it like that, I don't nope. know that I do either. I mean, I, I wasn't disagreeing with them. I just... just <laughs> Just slapping me in the face with it like that was a little tough. But no, no, to answer your question, no, no. I'm, so I win two more games to get to 10, and uh, I don't, I, I'd be surprised if it happened. This has been a disaster season uh, for Middle Tennessee. If you could have an example of uh, how wrong things have gone when they lost to Western Kentucky on Saturday, and I'm not, I don't mean to pick on one player, but, uh, you know, Justin Buford, they're, they're, they're sort of small forward, six six mm -hmm. kid. Uh, just that's a that's a player that Nick McDevitt was hoping would advance this season and become a, a somebody he could rely on. And so Saturday against Western Kentucky, he had in he only played sixteen minutes, zero for eleven from the field, zero for seven on three pointers, and uh, I, I guess that's why he only played sixteen minutes. But that's a lot. You know, for sixteen minutes, he took eleven shots, and none of them were going in. Goodness. I don't well, mean hey, to Joe. personally attack one kid, but no. that, that's pretty hey, devastating. The only shot that matters is the next one, right? I, I guess that's what he was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Joe Sullivan, NashvilleHoops.blog, joining us here on Main Street Sports. You know, it, it, so Keyshawn Davidson, who plays for uh, Belmont, he's, he's their point guard. He's a great kid. I really like mm -hmm. him personally. And he has not been shooting the ball well this year. And I was talking to him, and he goes, Joe, I think they're all going in. <laughs> there you go. They all feel good to him. you so. got to have that shooter mentality, man. Yeah. <laughs> so you're going to Murray and Belmont tonight. What else is on the docket for you this week? I'll be at Lipscomb on Thursday and Saturday. With uh, I guess I'm trying to get on the bandwagon of the, their possible Linux Sun Championship in the future. <laughs> I haven't seen him in a little bit, so I want to – could go see them on Thursday and against Queens. 
and uh, Saturday against Kennesaw State. Queens, Queens of Charlotte, North Carolina, not Queens of Queens, New York. Don't don't be misled there. Um, if you're, I think that's one of the fascinating things about all of these schools being in new conferences, relatively new conferences, and you know the familiarity. I mean, everybody knows who's in the Ohio Valley Conference or new they used to within the Ohio Valley Conference, but with the Atlantic Sun, with the Missouri Valley, that kind of thing. Joe, do you feel like that lack of familiarity has an impact? You know, we talked to Casey Alexander about this a couple of years ago as they were moving to the Valley. You know, we've kind of talked to Lenny Acuff about it to some degree, but do you feel like that lack of familiarity with their conference opponents has an impact on attendance or, or in, a, in interest, maybe. I definitely think it does. I agree with you. I think the traditional strong robberies are what drives uh, passion, partly what drives passion uh, in all sports and uh, especially in colleges. And it's uh, it's lacking. I mean, it's uh, I, I can't argue with Belmont moving to the Missouri Valley. They're trying to uh, move up the ladder and the, mm -hmm. the competition is tougher and therefore more interesting in some ways, but the, but still unfamiliar, as you said. Uh, but like the, what has happened to the Ohio Valley, and I, and Mo, you would know better than me. I'm still, it, it, I, I don't understand why like a school leaves the, leaves the Ohio Valley to go to the Atlantic Sun, I, 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 you know, like Eastern Kentucky. I, I don't get it. Uh, now I'm an I'm an old decrepit person, so I prefer you know Middle Tennessee, Western Kentucky, Eastern Kentucky, Murray State, all back in the Ohio Valley. And playing each other, can we do that? Man, you, I, I, I don't think that genie is going back in that bottle. No. But as an Ohio Valley Conference graduate, basically, I, I remember those days and those teams, and that sounds a lot more appealing than, you know, the New Mexico States and the Liberties. But you know, it's kind of where we are in the college athletics landscape and, and it's all football's fault i'd like to blame it on football yeah yeah well yeah. it's true and and that would be fine if it were working in football <laughs> yeah yes yeah. so, good point anyway joe we appreciate it man we appreciate you and look forward to visiting with you next one hey who you got in the super bowl i'll take the 49ers Ooh. I don't think you know the Chiefs. I don't think the Chiefs have been of uh, the same quality that they've been in past seasons, and I think uh, fully armed, uh, the 49ers are a better team. Okay, all right, there you have it. Joe has <laughs> the Niners. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week. Great fun. Thanks for having me on. Thank, Thank you, Joe. All right. Hey, when we come back here on Main Street Sports today, we're just going to kind of knock a few things around and, and see what comes out. So stay with us.
Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact us at 931-381-2663 or www.mtbj.net. Custom Stone Handler supplies over 600 distributors and suppliers with quality stone products. Along with River Stone, we produce and distribute over 100 building, landscape, and other bulk products. Our goal is to provide quality products, service, and partnerships to ensure our customers' success. We firmly believe that the measure of any person or company is how they treat other people and customers. Give them a call at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. A game without a crowd is just a scrimmage. A performance without an audience is just a rehearsal. Without your presence, high school sports and the performing arts aren't possible. Ensure that these essential extracurricular activities continue to enrich the lives of students in Tennessee. Purchase a ticket to your local high school's game or performance. This message presented by the TSSAA. With Lee Company Technology, the best handymen are hands-off. Lee Company Techs have been using visual findings and other smart technology tools for years to add transparency and virtually take customers along. You see what we see, whether we're in a crawl space or on a roof. With Lee Company, technology helps us help you, no matter what's happening in the world or at your house. Piggly Wiggly, located in Neely's Mill Shopping Center, is Columbia's locally owned and operated Cost Plus 10 grocery store dedicated to serving the community with low prices and smiling faces. Piggly Wiggly offers fresh, hand-cut meats daily as well as daily hot plate lunches from their deli counter. You're certain to see smiling faces and a helping hand when you're here at Piggly Wiggly. Come by and check out our fresh produce, high-quality meats, and more. Down home, down the street, we'll see you at the Pig. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. We specialize in orthopedic service, and our ortho quick walk-in clinic lets you bypass the ER. Visit us online at www.mtbj.net. Welcome back to Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. We are in the Lee Company studio here in Columbia. I'm Maurice Patton. That is Wade Neely. And I'm not sure that I understand this story, Wade. I'm hoping you can help <laughs> me with it to some degree. But apparently ESPN, Fox Sports, and... Warner Brothers Discovery, which I guess owns TNT, maybe? Seems that way. Um, are planning a single or a joint streaming system at some point this fall, I guess in time for football season, that will put all of their offerings, you know, kind of under one roof. Mm-hmm. Weren't we here before? Yeah. Uh, and very first sentence on a, a Yahoo article we're reading here. 
in other words, yeah. Cable? cable? I mean, and it's interesting, uh, this story coming out, I was just listening to a podcast last week, uh, Braden Gall and the guys up there in Nashville talking to uh, Steve Cavendish, talking about a hodgepodge of topics. And I don't know if they were tipped off or what, but we were li- they literally <laughs> discussed that we're basically just trending toward a lot of these apps getting uh, and services getting acquired by one another. And it's going to eventually just kind of turn into the situation that you had with cable where there's a massive bundle that is purchased. And then the timing of this story comes out. I saw the alert yesterday and we all talked about it off air. Uh, yeah, what's old is new again, it, it seems like, truly. And I mean, as a person who gets tired of clicking off of DirecTV and clicking on to ESPN or clicking on to CBS Sports or whatever else, you know, to find all the sports that you want to see, I mean, I, it streamlining that sounds good, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it just, you know, that's something else we're going to have to pay for, I guess, on top of all the other streaming services that you're going to have to pay for. Let's, let's just put it all back under one roof and stream it all and call it good and, yeah, get, and, and get out of my pocket. Yeah. And to me, it seems like we, everybody was in such a, uh, a rush and in a positive rush to get away from the cable because the bills had gotten so astronomically high that, ooh, uh, $10 a month seems a heck of a lot better than paying, you know, 85, 100 plus bucks a month for direct TV or, right, or but satellite. Pay, but when you're paying 10 for this and 15 for that and 750 for that and they're nickel and diamond you to death. Yep. And so now that we've kind of gotten over that initial wave of excitement, now we've kind of, to me at least, it seems like we've reached this level of fatigue, whether it's all the prices being scattered about. Uh, or also the all clicking. of the inventory being scattered about. All of the inventory, the channel changing process is kind of uh, convoluted at the moment. So, guys, throwing all that under the guise of, hey, wouldn't it be just really convenient if we just had everything back under one roof? Uh, I don't know that just enough time has elapsed that everybody's completely forgot about you know the the bills that they had with their cable service, but it's very very close, and this merger. I think it's going to be convenient to a lot of people who have tried the streaming and now all of a sudden they're thinking, eh, okay, paying for 10, 15, 20 plus channels all under one shop, I can get on board with that. And then as that trend, it seems like we're just going to, then that price is going to eventually start trending mm-hmm. upward or we're just going to look at more inventory, as you just mentioned, kind of getting acquired. Uh, seems like we've just done a kind of complete 180. And now we're getting ready to go back in the other direction. Here yeah, again. and and it's it feels like it kind of got primed, so to speak, mm-hmm. with you know the Thursday night football games on Amazon, with the Miami Kansas City football um, playoff game on Peacock only. You know, things are heading more and more toward streaming anyway. Mm-hmm. Feels like whether you like it or not. Yep, and uh, obviously looking at this story, guess what? I'm probably going to end up buying it. I think a lot of us are going to end up buying it. Uh, Kicking and screaming. Yeah, yeah, not, not necessarily liking it. And, uh, you know, this article on Yahoo that we're reading, I think the fact that you're going to be able to potentially change channels a little bit quicker 
That alone, I think, will be enough of a draw for it's some people because backing it. out of the app and getting into a new one is uh, kind of a chore for some folks. And so I think kind of having that, yeah, we've established that streaming is where we're going to be living going mm -hmm. forward. And now if we can kind of, quote unquote, improve the streaming process, I think a lot of people are going to kind of rush to this. But yeah, I also get the vibe that this thing is not uh, done by any stretch. I mean, the, the offerings will kind of continue to grow. Maybe you're watching a hockey game, but checking in on the college basketball contest too. Streaming is so cumbersome, slow, and prone to delays that it has become nearly impossible. Being able to flip immediately between channels is or was great. If ESPN, Fox, TNT can figure some of that out, well, it's something. Yep. Yeah. And make uh, it easier to use, and, and I'm probably on board. Yeah, and and the the what's the word I'm looking for here? The concept of stripping away, oh, I don't want to pay uh, $20, quote unquote, for a part of my DirecTV bill that is going toward channels that I'm never mm -hmm. using. Mm -hmm. I think that's what really drew a lot of people in. I'd rather use my $20 for like ESPN Plus or something of that nature. But the channel changing process, yeah, unless you have uh, the perfect kind of device to, to house all that, or if you have the perfect kind of subscription package, it's really a, a, a chore, and especially when you're talking about multiple sports on different kind of channels, and that's not even throwing in those uh, one-off exclusives like you mentioned with the Peacock game mm -hmm. a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Wade, what are the chances that Chip Kelly is back at UCLA in this fall? So, you know, I didn't know like where you were going with that. And anytime you hit me with the dramatic pause, I know something is, is going to be suspect. And, wow, Chip Kelly – I had to Google this like three times just to make sure the reports are kind of out there. And it seems like, yeah, you're exactly right. Chip Kelly, whether he's leaking it or whether uh, somebody is leaking it for him, seems like, quote, he is doing all he can to get back into the NFL. And back into college, back out of the NFL. Or, yeah, 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 yeah yes, sorry, back into the NFL. You're right, yes. And it kind of was surmised beautifully just scanning some message board chatter, and, and the top comment said, one thing is for sure, this guy does not want to be at UCLA if you're reading the tea leaves. Uh, I don't even know if you have to read the tea leaves. It's pretty obvious. He is UCLA's coach, but he interviewed for the Raiders' offensive coordinator position, the Commanders' offensive coordinator position, and... Now, it seems he's in play with the Seahawks. This, this guy isn't doing business like a guy that wants to be at UCLA. Nope. And I love this quote from Mike Florio. says, quote, the clumsy attempt at subtlety by <laughs> Kelly and his camp is almost comical. It's clear he wants back in, and it's obvious he's the one pursuing the opportunity and not vice versa. Right. Uh, so, yeah, he's, he's not being coy or not being subtle by any stretch. No. But the interesting thing, uh, as a Michigan guy, kind of like Harbaugh a couple years ago, he was really kind of the one that was floating his own name out there the last couple of seasons. And the NFL kind of said, no, we're cool. Uh, you know, we're, we're okay. It seems like Chip Kelly's just banging on every door right now trying to get an invite into the, uh, the dance. And, and right now he's getting the, uh, the door slammed right back in his face. Let me in. <laughs> um. Getting you know, ready to go to the Big Ten, by the way, now that obviously we've mentioned the Pac-12. Uh, yeah, you know, and we mentioned, you know, Jeff Halfley left Boston College late last month, I guess, to become defensive coordinator at Green Bay. 
is this just more of the aversion to the state of college football right now with the NIL, with the transfer portal, that kind of thing? You know, I could certainly see the fact uh, I'm trying to put on my, I've never obviously been a head coach at the college or the NFL level or a head coach uh, anywhere for that matter. But I can see the fatigue. You know, that has always been the story all along why some guys pursue careers in the NFL is don't want to deal with recruiting, don't want to deal with glad-handing boosters and, and uh, governors and, you know, just who all they have to kind of interact with on a day-to-day -day basis. Now that uh, paradigm has kind of shifted, and, yeah, you're not really worried about recruiting. Uh, you're just worried about it in a different realm now with the NIL, and the problems are still the same. And it seems like we're still suffering from that kind of fatigue where the coaches, or at least some coaches, are like, you know what, I don't want to put up with this. If I'm going to have to jump through all these hoops, I'd rather just go be a coordinator. I don't even have to be a head coach anymore. I'm okay just being a coordinator at this point. And that just seems so counter to every coach wants to be a head coach, mm -hmm. you feel like, until you get to be a head coach, I guess. I don't know. Um, little baseball. I don't know if you saw this, but I guess it was yesterday, maybe. Um, Carolyn Goodman, mayor of Las Vegas, did a podcast, I guess, with Front Office Sports heading up to the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. And she says, I've lived in this town 60 years, and so I know the town like the back of my hand. I personally think they've got to figure out a way to stay in Oakland and make their dream come true. They being the athletics who are supposedly headed to Vegas. Tell me how you really feel about the, the franchise that you potentially uh, gone through all these hoops to get to come to your town. I don't know how many hoops they've gone through. Man. Uh... I mean, Oakland is set to play their final season. Well, the Athletics are set to play their final season in Oakland this year. Supposedly, allegedly, a facility in Vegas isn't going to be ready until 28. Mm -hmm. So they've got three years of really TBA to be, to be announced, TBD to be determined. They don't know what's going to go on, but Carolyn Goodman is saying they need to figure something out and stay where they're at. And when the mayor of the town that you're headed to is saying you need to stay in the town that you're leaving, and you've burned all the bridges in that town. Yeah, what do the you athletics are not in a good spot. Nope, uh, a team on an island, it, it looks like, and uh, maybe playing on an island. Is, this, is there at, one available? They, they might be better off, yeah, just looking to see what's out there on the, uh, just off the coast of California and seeing if they could uh, set up shop. And I'm wondering how much of this, uh, from Goodman, the mayor there, they had the, and this Yahoo article mentions the Formula One race that was held uh, in November, and it seemed like Everything is just trending toward Vegas. You know, there's even rumblings about NBA expansion there in the next couple of seasons. But it seems like we've almost arrived, if not fully arrived, at kind of a Vegas sports bubble almost. And especially with the Formula One race, which a lot of folks have viewed 
across a number of industries kind of as an unmitigated disaster. The attendance was not there. Uh, they had millions of lost revenue because they had to shut down all the other businesses to allow the race to take place. And I'm also kind of wondering now if, if Mayor Goodman is not looking and saying, you know what, maybe we're just going to pump the brakes on kind of this sports expansion here mm -hmm. for the time being. Uh, after that was kind of a flop and what that ends up looking like is the A's are, yeah, just truly kind of uh, out in no man's land right yeah. now. Um, so her interview that Front Office Sports built their article on was on Monday. Yesterday, she issued a statement. I want to be clear that I'm excited about the prospect of Major League Baseball in Las Vegas, and it very well may be that the Las Vegas A's will become a reality that we will welcome to our city. That's not great. On February 5th, 2024, I was interviewed for the Front Office Sports Podcast. It was one of many interviews about the rise of Major League Sports in Las Vegas and how this weekend's Super Bowl is a milestone in my and former Mayor Oscar Goodman's Husband? Former Mayor Oscar Goodman's <laughs> pursuit of sports teams for Las Vegas. We discussed several topics, including the Oakland A's for about seven minutes, and I mentioned the passionate fans of Oakland who often visit our city to cheer on the Raiders. My points included that it is my belief that in their perfect world, the ownership of the A's would like to have a new ballpark on the water in Oakland, and that the ownership and government there should listen to their great fans and try to make that dream come true. Should that fail, Las Vegas has shown that it is a spectacular market for major league sports franchises. Maybe that tempers it just a little bit, but the fact of the matter is the wheels are in motion already. And again, the athletics have burned those bridges. I don't think there's anything that anybody in Oakland is willing to do for that baseball team at this point. Sure doesn't seem like it. And now that I'm reading this statement here, I'm, I'm kind of uh, wondering if Mayor Goodman is not setting up. Mary Tooth, former Mayor Goodman, okay. by the way. Okay, I had to do go. a little uh, quick fact check there. That's, uh, that's quite the uh, turnaround there in, in political office. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'm also wondering now, is this not kind of a, a somewhat of a perfect political setup? Hey, we have everything in place here. Oh, it'd be so great, though, if you could just stay where you're at and, and you guys could just have a, a great situation there and a great stadium there and preserve all that history there. But if you want to come over here, it's kind of almost, to me, it seems like setting up the perfect little softball. Well, we'll come bail you out. We don't want to see that franchise crumble. Mm -hmm. So we'll kind of step in and offer uh, them as a, a permanent place. It seems like she's just setting up a perfect situation here where – it's really hard for Vegas to look like the bad guy. It's not as if they're ripping the franchise away from Oakland per se so much as, hey, we're willing to take you guys on. We'd love if you could stay where you're at, mm -hmm. but we're here if you uh, should not be able to come to an agreement, which sounds obviously, yeah, like it's long past gone. Yeah, yeah. The good thing is I don't think athletics fans view Vegas as the bad guys. I think they know exactly who the bad guy is, and it's um, – John Fisher and the ownership of the of the franchise there. So interesting. Um, one other piece here in our grab bag that I know our absent host is not going to be happy with. I don't know if he knows this or not. Actually, 
Ethan Small, former Lexington High School, former Mississippi State standout, was um, designated for assignment by the Milwaukee Brewers last week after they traded for, um, I'm sorry, after the Brewers traded Corbin Burns to Baltimore for a couple of prospects to make room on their 40 man, they designated Ethan, a Spring Hill resident, for assignment. Mm -hmm. He has been assigned. Um, Ethan Small has been traded to the San Francisco Giants. It was reported um, yesterday, well, yesterday. Um, Small was traded for cash considerations. And according to BrewCrewBall.com, failed to develop as a starting pitcher and spent most of the 2023 season pitching out of the bullpen with AAA Nashville. This was the second year with Nashville, I think. Great situation for him, obviously, because again, he lives in Spring Hill. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, as, as Chris and I were talking, when we were talking about that trade and Ethan being DFA'd, this is a team that has been in the postseason each of the last two years um, and I don't really understand exactly what it is that the Brewers are trying to accomplish at this point um, by, one, trading Corbin Burns, mm -hmm. and two, you know, stepping away from a former first-round draft pick as Ethan Small is. Yeah, we discussed on the show last week, uh, one of the last things you never want to be as a fan is a fan of a franchise that doesn't really have some sort direction. of plan or mm -hmm. direction. And I'm not a, a Brewers uh, ace analyst by any stretch, but even to me, I'm just kind of scratching my head like, kind of what are we doing with some of these moves here? What is the plan? And a team that has had some decent success the last couple of years, and we've seen baseball, it doesn't take, once you get into the postseason, I mean, you just get hot at the right time, and next thing you know, you're winning the World Series. So uh, what is their plan? And what are their moves going forward? Because it seems like, uh, to the layperson, they don't have a plan necessarily at the moment. Yeah, and and to your point, that's a tough place to be. I mean, you can you can accept a little easier. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna take a step back. We're gonna kind of tear it down and get rid of some contracts and that kind of thing, mm -hmm. and throw it to our young guys. But Small is one of their young guys. Yeah, that's that's the odd thing about this transaction to me is uh, it's not as if this is some prolonged journeyman, you know, you're talking about moving here. Yeah. So going to be interesting, but it's a bit of a commute from Spring Hill to either San Francisco or wherever the Giants yeah. AAA affiliate is. So that's going to be a little bit of a shock to the system for Mr. Small. Hate to hear that. And again, Hate to hear it for Chris as well. He's he's a big fan. Um, Wade, what say we take a break? Are you thinking what I'm thinking? What are you thinking? I mean, I'm here. You're here. It's Wednesday. Time to get wild and wacky. Let's do it. Come back. Get wild and wacky with us here on Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint.
This is Chris Yao with Main Street Sports Today. Every show, Mo Patton and I welcome friends from all across the sports landscape, from high school coaches and reporters to national, college, and pro sports personalities. You never know who might stop by for a chat. She's on Thinking Out Loud, presented by Regions, and out of pocket with Alyssa Lang. It is, in fact, Alyssa, Alyssa Lang. I'm a little nervous. I'm going to lower the bar for guests now. Oh, no. I'm like, apologies in advance. It sounds like SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey. You got that radio voice. I know. It's a good sound. Oh, I the radio, too. <laughs> As do we. And then here's the other thing. You guys, you're spot on with the name. Everybody wants to be on Main Street. Everybody wants to be on Main Street. so And we reach every Main Street in Middle Tennessee, Coach? Yeah, that's it. So Perfect. when you're on Main Street and you are moving. You got to love it. Like you're moving. I was impressed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad someone. It's wild, it's wacky, it's wild and wacky Wednesday here on Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. Final segment of the day, we're going to give you some of the wildest and wackiest news from across the world and close to home. I'm Maurice Patton, that's Wade Neely. We have found some interesting stuff, to say the least. Let's start, Wade, up in New England. Okay. New Hampshire specifically. Manchester, New Hampshire. A woman fell into a dumpster while throwing out her garbage and was later rescued from a trash truck that had compacted the contents while she was inside, according to fire department officials in New Hampshire. Luckily, neighbors heard her screams and the trash compartment was equipped with a camera. The driver spotted the woman stuck inside, called 911. By then, the driver had reportedly compacted the garbage up to four times, the Manchester Fire Department said in a news release. Rescuers used a basket ladder to reach the top of the truck and lift her out. By then, she was standing, talking, yelling, but was not alert enough to answer questions. I can't imagine why. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The woman, the woman was taken to a hospital after Monday's misadventure. Her name was not released. In 32 years, I've never seen anything like this my whole career, said the battalion chief. It's alarming because you don't really think it's true. This lady says it was true. I mean... I mean, there's so much there. How did you fall, how did you fall in the garbage? How did the trash truck just happen to come yeah. then? And how did they just immediately just compact you? I'm visual times. Yeah, visualizing her running. Oh, I'm late to the trash. Maybe takes a slip, a stumble. Okay, I could live with that. But yeah, you're telling me that the the truck was riding by at that perfect moment. That's a lot. That's <laughs> in my 32 years. Yeah, I've never seen anything like that my whole he, career. Yeah, well, I would imagine not. I, yeah, uh, Italian chief. Goodness gracious, I'm, I'm glad he hasn't mm. or hadn't. Now he has. Oh, uh, Mo, here's one that caught my eye. You know, uh, speaking of the battalion chief, uh, the, the trope, obviously, is that our law enforcement, sometimes they're required to request uh, rescue animals. Turns out you don't necessarily always need law enforcement for that. <laughs> this, this came from late January, uh, so some might have already been familiar with this story. But out, out of San Antonio, a bat descended on the court and delayed part of the San Antonio Spurs game. 
right after Victor Wimanyama, uh, potential Rookie of the Year candidate, made a three-pointer just two minutes into the game in their win over the Timberwolves that night. And dressed as a Batman, in a Batman costume for some reason, I'm still not sure why, their mascot, the Coyote, also somewhat still sure not why their mascot uh, is a Coyote, but he captured the bat. Uh, took him a couple of attempts, but he captured the bat, and they zoom over, and Webinyama, he is clapping and just having a big time. Just, uh, you know, they don't do that in France. Uh, they're not used to uh, bats just, I guess, flying on the court. Um, although I would yeah. be... A little surprised if he hadn't encountered some interesting things over in, uh, sure the, in, French, France. in yeah. the French League. Uh, but it's, it's important to note that the Coyote had previously corralled two other bats, including one that uh, you can still find uh, that will live on the internet forever when Manu uh, Ginobili had swatted one out of the air with his bare hand back in 2009. And so... My question is, what's going on with the bats at San Antonio? What, what is something a little eerie going on down that's there? That's a very valid question, but I guess that explains why he's wearing the Batman costume because he is Batman. You know, uh, and suddenly the, maybe that makes a little more sense. And I guess uh, was that the gag? You know, hey, call a timeout. I got to run in the back and I got to change in my Batman costume because yeah, uh, yeah, got got to take care. There's of a photo like of a giant net that he caught him with. So uh, Manu uses it in Argentina. I guess they catch bats with their bare hands because uh, he he knocked his down with his bare hands, and uh, Victor said, "You know what? I don't want any part of that." I'm, I'm, so he got the mascot with the net. I'm with Victor. I'm, I'm, I'm probably with, in that same boat too. I ain't risking it. I'm with Victor. Headline from Copenhagen: Sauna patrons dressed only in towels pulled two from a car that plunged into a Norwegian Ford. F-J-O-R-D, I guess, I'm, I hope I'm pronouncing mm -hmm. that right. Um, <laughs> not all heroes wear capes, some don't wear anything at all. With only towels around their waist, patrons aboard a floating, floating sauna in a Norwegian fjord rescued two people whose car had plunged into the water. The car appeared to have driven off the quay Thursday at an area where ships dock at the foot of the Norwegian capital Oslo's picturesque medieval fortress and castle. Hmm. A witness told the newspaper that he saw the car stop before it suddenly accelerated and ended up in the water. The paper reported that the driver had thought the vehicle was in park when he hit the accelerator pedal. As the car went down, the two occupants escaped and were on the roof of the vehicle as the sauna raft headed toward them. Skipper said, I gave full throttle toward the people who came climbing out of the car and reached them just as the car went under. With good help from two of the guests, we got them up. They warmed up in the sauna. They have wooden sauna rafts that are electrically powered, allowing people to take part in the Scandinavian pastime in peace while enjoying the natural beauty of the area and perhaps taking a dip in the icy waters. That's a lot to unpack right there. there. There's a lot going on in Oslo. Mm. Uh, cancel my, my plans to go to Oslo for the foreseeable future. Well, but I, until I, I, can, I think it'll be okay just kind of stay away from the water. Just, just, settle, yeah, just settle down with uh, any sort of waterworks there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Dressed only in towels. Only in towels. Hitting the gas. You mm. mentioned hitting the gas. Uh, Whom amongst us is not just you know just revved the engine <laughs> right right uh, at your right as you're at the bank of a body of water. Yeah, just 
let us not cast the first stone, uh, I suppose, in that regard. Hey, Mo, this story comes out of Denver, uh, and the headline alone caught my eye. YouTuber accused of topping 150 miles an hour on motorcycle. I mean, there's more of the headline, but that alone had me hooked right here. On the Colorado interstate. So uh, a YouTube uh, would-be sensation, I guess. Uh, authorities say that a motorcyclist who posted a video of himself speeding from Colorado Springs to Denver uh, on I-25, a trip that usually takes an hour, he made the trip in 20 minutes. Now, I can get down with that, but uh, I prefer to do it legally. Yeah. Um, so, Rendon Dietzman, a 32-year-old from Texas, recorded himself back in September going north of 150 miles an hour, squeezing and weaving through small gaps in traffic and traveling on the shoulder of the road. Uh, the video has since been deleted from YouTube, which uh, is kind of sad, unfortunately. It but is I, unfortunate. I, I uh, the state patrol, however, uh, didn't want the news media uh, to not uh, have access, so they at least released the copies to the news media that wanted to get that out. Dietzman, who uh, has a YouTube moniker that I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce, but... Uh, through his YouTube persona, he has posted similar videos from all over the country. He is now wanted on charges of menacing. Didn't necessarily know that was even a crime, but uh, interesting. Menacing, engaging in a speed contest, reckless endangerment, reckless driving, uh, engaging in an exhibition of speed and driving without license plates oh attached. Lord. If you're going to go 150, you at least got to have your paperwork in order, I would One think. One would think. You would think. Uh, Sergeant State Patrol Tony Troy Kessler says, this is an extreme example, but sadly a real one. If you drive like this, you can't expect to be arrested when you are located. Uh, I guess if you are located. If you're going 150, uh, you buckle might, up. You might not locate me. This yeah. is the best outcome for a person like this who drives violently where the smallest mistake could result in death or that of an innocent, uh, of himself or that of an innocent person in the area says State Patrol coordinated with local authorities also in Texas and Colorado to confirm the ID. Uh, no word yet on how many uh, views that YouTube video uh, got. I hope it was worth it because uh, not only are you putting your life on the line, obviously others' lives on the line, and who knows, it could only have been for a couple hundred views on YouTube. We don't know how big his channel is. Yeah, you'd like to think it was more than that, but who knows. Wade, you have probably heard of Minnesota's annual name a snowplow contest. You know, I'm unfamiliar. I can't wait to, to hear where this goes though. They, they have a name a snowplow contest where citizens are able to nominate names. You know, snowplows are a big deal in Minnesota yeah. for obvious reasons. And so um, this is the fourth year that they have done this. And last week they announced New names for eight snowplows. Beyond sleigh. Okay. You're killing me squalls. <laughs> yep. Fast and flurious. Barbie's dream plow. Clark W. Blizzwald. <laughs> and going away with nearly twice as many votes as Clark W. Blizzwald. Taylor Drift. <laughs> I don't know which one I like the most. They're all good. 12,000 votes Taylor Drift received. 
Minnesotans vote in huge numbers for these, Governor Tim Walz said at a news conference. Thousands and thousands of Minnesotans come up with incredible creativity. He was pictured in front of, a, of the Barbie's dream plow at the time, but um, Taylor Drift will be going to a district in Northwest Minnesota. Barbie's dream plow will be in the Twin Cities area. Um, since they have begun doing this, um, other winners include Plowy McPlowface, of course, Darth Blader, Blizzard of Oz, Scoop Dog, and Han Snolo. Those are all great. Uh, I guess when when you live up there in the midst of all that snow and cold, you get a little creative with stuff. So, yeah, you got you know, a little little time on your hands. Absolutely. And let's see, let's see if we can come up with a quick one here to wrap things up. Um, I think Chris and I talked about the king cakes last week. Um, oh goodness, here we go. Circus animals rescued after truck catches fire on Indiana Highway. A truck hauling zebras and camels for a series of weekend circus performances caught fire early Saturday on a north, northeastern Indiana Highway, prompting a police rescue of the animals, mm -hmm. which roamed along the freeway, some munching on grass. Goodness gracious, five zebras, four camels, and a miniature horse were trapped on a trailer and led off of it. Both officers that were performing the rescue were treated for smoke inhalation and released. Fortunately, none of the animals were injured, nor was the truck driver. But um, northbound lanes of I-69 were closed for about four and a half hours while they cleaned up the area and got the animals squared away. So this was um, east of Marion, mm -hmm. which is northeast of Indianapolis. It's not something we see every day, said Deputy Brent Resett with the Grant County Sheriff's Office. Uh, I bet not. Yeah, I bet not. Uh, I hope not, for sure. Um, animals were heading to Fort Wayne for, um, for weekend circus performances. I guess those didn't take place. That's when the YouTube guy on the motorcycle posts a video says, you won't believe what I'm watching right now. There you go. <laughs> That's Wild and Wacky Wednesday here on Main Street Sports Today. And that's Main Street Sports Today for Wednesday. Um, we'll be coming back at you tomorrow. We will have Coach's Corner. We will have, hopefully, a Super Bowl-related guest mm -hmm. with local ties. And I'm going to leave it at that right now until I get it finalized. But again, plenty of great stuff here on Main Street Sports today, presented by Main Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. That's Wade Neely. I'm Maurice Patton. We'll see you guys tomorrow at 2 o'clock.